0: Hello, everyone. This is Lance Mullen, host of the MSU WMA podcast. On today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Ron Bullis, CEO and co-founder of LifeWorks Advisors. Stay tuned to hear about Ron's experience starting LifeWorks, his advice for students, and so much more. Welcome back, everyone, to the MSU WMA podcast. Today we have Ron Bullis on. Ron, it's good to have you on.
1: Excited to see you again, Lance, and to be here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I interned with Ron and LifeWorks this summer, so figured I'd want to have him on for the podcast, and he's got some uh, interesting stories and experiences to share with you guys. So, Ron, why don't you uh, give us some background and kind of how you got started and tell us a little bit about LifeWorks.
1: Yeah, so I started as a financial advisor, kind of uh, life circumstances led me there, wasn't planning on it. Um, I spent almost a decade as an advisor at Northwestern Mutual, running a team practice there with my current co-founder of LifeWorks. And we had tremendous success um, in working in the small business and family business space. In late 2015, we made a decision that we wanted to move from a a commission and more of a sales-based business model over to a fee-based planning model and also operate as a fiduciary for our clients in every engagement. So over the course of 2016, we laid some plans, had conversations with Northwestern Mutual that turned out just not to be the right fit. And so we left Northwestern at the end of 2016 created LifeWorks Advisors, which is an SEC registered investment advisor, opened our doors in uh, middle of 2017. And we have been off to the races ever since doing some very innovative stuff and trying to drive meaningful change uh, in our industry. So
0: yeah. Um, So like when you when you started, what were some of like the challenges like moving over from Northwestern and
1: kind of starting off from scratch. Yeah, I mean, there's a long laundry list of them. I think that one of the, this maybe would dovetail into advice I would give for students listening to this. One of the things that was most frustrating was going through the termination process with uh, Northwestern Mutual. We learned about Mm -hmm. what's called your U5, which is every broker dealer and financial firm submits a termination letter essentially with the SEC and with FINRA. And Northwestern Mutual marked our U-5s at the time. They've subsequently um, uh, removed those. Our our record was expunged after a long, lengthy um, process to get yeah. our, our names cleared. But when you sign a contract and when you engage with a firm, I think it's really important for people that are listening to this to know that a lot of firms require non-solicits, non-competes, how they contract their advisors can sometimes handicap somebody uh, Mm -hmm. from making a move to a firm or starting their own firm, right? And going independent. So be very cautious about that as you're engaging with a firm, ask good questions, ask about their non-compete, ask about their advisor contracts, ask about their, you know, how they handle separation from service and termination reports that was probably the most frustrating is my partner and I spent almost uh, over a decade at Northwestern Mutual I was just under he was just over with an impeccable record and we ended up going through just a terrible um, process and and fight Mm -hmm. with them my side of it is viewing it as they they saw us as as leaving and potentially, you know, taking advisors or being competition for them. And so they yeah. try to do everything in their power to slow us down um, and to make life miserable for us. I don't hold anything against them. They're a great insurance company. I still have my insurance there. So anybody listening to this, I'm not you know, necessarily talking negatively about yeah. the institution, right? But how they contract advisors and and, and and other firms in the industry have, you know, things like this as well. So just be mindful as you sign an advisor contract with your first firm that there yeah. can be implications down the road if you want to make a decision and transition so yeah so
0: like when you were just starting did you always have like that envision that you would kind of jump ship and kind of start your own business
1: no we really didn't i mean i had come from running my own business before i went to northwestern and i think that there's an important conversation that every advisor should have either really early on in their career or regularly. And the conversation should go like this. What do I really most enjoy doing? Do I most enjoy being a professional advisor and serving clients? Or do I want to build a business and potentially recruit, train, manage, and and, uh, run an operation that hires advisors and staff? And so I think there's a blending of this conversation because a lot of times Uh, in our industry, they'll tell young financial advisors that they're business owners, that they're independent, right? And I think this is really important because most financial advisors at their core really love financial advising and they're really good technical advisors. They're professionals. There's a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's an old book worth the read. It talks about how people that are good at a skill or a trade oftentimes end up stumbling into becoming business owners, then they wind up with staff and operations and human resources and all these things that Mm -hmm. are necessary for any business to run, but they're not what actually creates the love of the job for most people, right? So when I was at Northwestern, I probably always had an entrepreneurial bent, you know, my business partner, Kurt, and I were always doing things a, a little bit differently than the crowd, let's say. And so we were innovative, and we wanted to try new things. We wanted to try new business models. We wanted to try a new sales approach. We wanted to, you know, in, in essence, line up who we were and yeah. our story with how we operated. And inside of a large organization, that can just create tension, right? I mm-hmm. mean, any organization that employs thousands and thousands of people and advisors, they have yeah. to try and streamline everything and make everybody do, you know, do it the same mm-hmm. way, both for compliance and operational pieces. So. We were probably destined to go independent at some point, but I wouldn't say it was the it wasn't the thought that was in our head when we started as advisors.
0: Yeah. So like, obviously, a lot of things like caused headaches and there was things that you ran into that you didn't like, but maybe give us some sort of uh, some things that you enjoyed about Northwestern and then some of the benefits of being with LifeWorks now and kind of running your own
1: business? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I look back at my time at Northwestern and I, I see the value of the, the sales training that I got from there. I, and I mm-hmm. met some really great people. Um, I met some people I don't really like that don't really like me too, which is maybe normal a any large in, institution. Um, but I did have the opportunity through their large organization to just meet some incredible people around the country um, that I still stay in contact with, that, that mentored okay. me. Um, that I ask questions to. So that was a really, really positive thing that I, that I take from that. Um, And when I look at LifeWorks now, I mean, we're a you know, 20 something person firm, we're just turning five years old this fall. I, I enjoy every moment of what we do. I love, I love how we serve our clients. And I love how our advisors are empowered to always operate as a fiduciary for our clients right mm-hmm. so yeah. for those of you guys listening that are exploring being an advisor and and, and what the industry looks like most advisors and most firms are duly registered meaning they're both you know they, they both have their series 65 or 66 so they're a financial advisor and they're yeah. also licensed with their series 6 or their series 7 as a broker Right. And so a lot of the models that exist out there and a lot of the platforms have sales quotas and proprietary products, and they try and do, you know, financial advising, wealth management as a fiduciary. I think that's a really tough thing to do. And so I love that at LifeWorks, one of the priorities we made was saying we are going to operate as a fiduciary for our clients at all times. I gave back my Series Mm -hmm. 7. We deregistered with FINRA. We don't broker anything. We don't sell products. We don't make commissions. I love that because when I look at a client and I say, my objective is to help you make wise decisions. Yeah. There's always conflicts and no business model is perfect. But I Mm -hmm. think being a a fee only fiduciary without any registration requirements with FINRA, without any, you know, sales quotas, without any, you know,
0: do you want to kind of touch more on that and how LifeWorks like has their fees and planning kind of set up a little bit different?
1: Yeah. So one of the, we had three main things that we wanted to address when we left Northwestern Mutual uh, with our business plan. One of the goals was to build a different business model. We have done a lot of research and what we had come to the conclusion is that the industry right now has two predominant business models and they're, they're like a brother and a sister. The first is that advisors do financial planning for free or some kind of give, a, you know, give away some advice for free. Yeah. In order to sell an insurance product or an annuity product or a mutual fund product, right? I call that the mm-hmm. giveaway and then sell something. The other business model that's predominant, and this is especially true in the RAA space, is giving away financial advising and financial planning and then gathering assets. Yeah, okay. So, in the industry structure right now and the RAA side of the house, the average firm receives 95% of their revenue, and the average advisor receives 95% of their revenue from an assets under management fee, mm-hmm. right? Yep. that has some inherent conflicts of interest but also as younger generations as the millennials and gen z step into what we call wealth creation status right when they you know graduate college they get a job they start becoming upwardly mobile they yeah. might not have a lot of assets to invest and so what's happened is they've gone online they do it on their own or traditional firms will still say when a client accumulates in investable assets, then we'll take them on. So a lot of firms have net worth requirements or minimum investment requirements, And we looked at that and said, we believe that people should have access to really good uh, holistic financial planning from a fiduciary, regardless of their net worth and how much they have to invest. So what Mm -hmm. do we have to do? We built a subscription-based financial planning service model. So a client can show up and hire LifeWorks to help them with their taxes, their risk management, their employee benefits, their retirement planning. We have eight key areas of wealth management that we serve our clients in and they pay a monthly fee for that. They can cancel at any time, right? Mm -hmm. It's our job as advisors. This is our opinion. It's our job as advisors to create value for our clients and to lead them through the management of their, their wealth and not uh, you know, look at it as some kind of like one and done or, or value a person based on how much they have to invest. So the new business model was something that we absolutely believed in. We were one of the first firms in the industry to do a subscription-based financial planning model. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it is absolutely loved uh, by next generation wealth creators, right? They love yeah. the transparency. They love that it's a service, you know, uh, you know, a fee for service. And and to be honest, where people oftentimes need the most help is when they're getting started. Yeah. And then at retirement, right? Mm -hmm. And so in both ends of this, we call this the barbell approach. The the young next gen wealth creator uh, has access to creating really good financial planning with an independent advisor. And the person who's nearing retirement that also wants to have a conflict-free, you know, engagement with an advisor can hire us, you know, in that Mm -hmm. way. So that was something that was really innovative. It's still you know, that side of our business is growing rapidly and I expect it to, you know, kind of set the, the trend for the industry, right? More Mm -hmm. firms will start to offer these types of subscription based business models as next generation wealth holders, you know, for sure continue to come on board as clients.
0: Yeah. Um, so it sounds like, like the financial planning is the key, like the top priority, but you guys also do investment management, right? too. Mm-hmm. So do you want to kind of talk about kind of what your goal with investments kind of look like at LifeWorks?
1: Yeah. So everything we do, we lead with financial planning. Um, so if somebody showed up at our doorstep tomorrow with a million dollars and said, I want to hire you guys to manage this million dollars for me, we would mm-hmm. say, great. You have to become a financial planning client. Here's our service levels. And if somebody said, I don't need financial planning, just invest my money, we would say, we're not yeah. the right fit for you right? Mm -hmm. Now, why is that? Well, one, investing should be done with a purpose and should be linked to someone's financial planning. So historically, and what still happens in the majority of our industry, right, is that advisors and firms will create model portfolios, they'll then have clients take some kind of risk tolerance questionnaire, some kind of risk assessment. Yeah, And then based on the outcome of that, that is the tool that's used to then map a client to their investment strategy. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense in the real world, right? I mean, the the analogy I give, and you've probably heard this before, uh, but for the listeners, it would be like you're not feeling well. And you go to your doctor and your doctor says, well, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. Let's run some tests." And he or Mm -hmm. she runs some tests, comes back in the room and says, Lance, I have bad news for you. You have cancer. Now, Imagine if your doctor turned his or her, you know, script pad around. Is it how much chemotherapy and radiation would you like to have? And oh, by the way, fill out this little questionnaire here. And then it's going to determine you're going to get 60% chemotherapy and 40% radiation. Now, that's not how doctors do it because it's completely illogical. Yeah, But that is how the majority of our industry dictates how clients' investments and what their strategy is. So at LifeWorks, we said, look... Mm -hmm. How can we connect a client's financial plan, which are the things they can control, right? How much they spend, how much they save, how long they work, how they position, you know, and do tax planning? These are all things that are inside of yeah. our control. How can we take the things we can control and that matter most, right, mm-hmm. and connect it to investing? So we built a revolutionary investment platform that takes a client's financial plan and their cash flow uh, mm-hmm. needs. And we use their cash flow needs directly from their financial plan to dictate the type of assets that we own and how we own them for our clients. So as their financial planning needs change, right? Income goes up, income goes down, they retire, et cetera. Their cash flow needs are what dictate their investments, not some arbitrary risk score or model portfolio. So we do manage a lot of assets for our clients, but it's an important distinction. It's a separate service, right? Mm Wealth management, tax planning, estate planning, risk management, investments, things like this. These are all part of, you know, what get lumped into this bucket of financial planning. We've yeah. just bifurcated the model and said, let's get really clear about what we're being hired and being asked to do and how are we measuring the success of this? So we manage a lot of assets for our clients, but only if our clients are paying us for, you know, financial planning yeah. and engaged on that end. So
0: Because they, yeah, they are intertwined and
1: they're they mm-hmm. should be together. But, yeah. 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 How how somebody feels, how they're how they feel about risk changes every day, changes intraday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually studies that show people measure risk differently depending on the weather and the time of year. Right. Yeah. So we view our job as to say to our client, using the same analogy as the doctor, right? Mm-hmm. We view it yeah. our responsibility as their fiduciary to say something like this. Lance, knowing everything I know about you and knowing everything that I know about financial planning and taxes and investing, what, what our team knows, here's yep. what we believe is the right path forward for you. That gives mm-hmm. you the highest probability of achieving your financial planning objectives with the least amount of risk. Yep. Right. Um, that we is That is what we believe our job as advisors uh, at its core is, is to bring you the information, bring our clients information they need so that they can make an informed and wise decision and then we can measure the results and adjust over time Mm -hmm. right
0: yeah yeah that's that's great to hear um and you guys have had some pretty crazy success in this short time uh but where do you guys where do you kind of see lifeworks going down the road say five ten years later
1: Yeah, you know, I used to think that the best uh, way to create a vision for the future was to kind of look out as far as you could down the road and, you know, paint this really big uh, image. And I still think there's some merit to that. Mm -hmm. But using like a three to five year timeline, where do I see life going? I think our our business is going to continue to rapidly grow. People love our subscription based approach to financial planning. Our investment platform that we built and rolled out in the last year uh, is also resonating really well. People love it. But what we're really excited to start doing is starting at the end of this year, we're going to be opening up our platform to other financial advisors that want to have, you know, an integrated technology platform. So probably don't have time to go into everything LifeWorks building there, but we're building a platform for advisors that's going to win not only the clients today, but the clients of the future, that's going Mm -hmm. to use automation and I'm going to say high tech, right? Yeah, Uh, you know, advanced technology to mm-hmm. take 70 to 80% of the administrative workload off of an advisor so that they can okay. serve more clients and be more profitable. So we're working on things that um, you probably know some of them, right? Yeah, We're, we're half, half technology company, half investment firm, and we're putting these two things together. So yeah. I believe LifeWorks will be at the forefront of the the shift in terms of what a financial advisor does and what the Mm -hmm. role of a financial advisor looks like, meaning the days of a financial advisor being a conduit to the investment markets are over Mm. because anybody with a smartphone can open an investment account in three minutes and they can be doing securities, crypto commodities, like there's nothing that an individual can't access online now with a smartphone without an advisor. So the days of a financial advisor being seen as, an access point to the market or an investment manager, I think are, if they're not already dead, they're, they're in the last throes of life. Mm-hmm. What I believe clients are going to be expecting from advisors is something that's more of a blend of like life coach meets uh, financial advisor meets like project manager, right? Yeah. It's going to be somebody that's going to help them navigate in real time, the ever-changing complexity of the world, how they're going to make decisions about their money where their money should be right Mm -hmm. so I, i view the advisor needing to be empowered to be more of a coach as opposed to a salesperson or even you know a technical investment manager so we're trying to automate all of that type of things that our advisors can spend all their time you know engaged in a meaningful way with clients yeah um
0: yeah it sounds like a hefty task with the whole finance uh like advising side and then with the tech side um so like where else do you see like the technology going like do you see it being just something in-house and like something that you'll use or do you see like it being huge and like multiple companies
1: using um yeah i i i don't envision us building some kind of enterprise level offering, meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, a large firm with a thousand employees adopts our software. What I really hope to see is that our platform, both the technology and, you know, the investment process and methodology and the financial planning methodology that we build, I really hope to see and and our plan is to drive adoption in the independent advisor space and in the RAA space, right? Right. Um, Meaning I'd love nothing more than to wake up in five years and have a thousand independent advisors that have unique backgrounds, diverse stories um, that are building really interesting communities of clients that they're serving across the country and doing Mm -hmm. it from a fiduciary perspective and doing it with a really thoughtful blend of, of high tech and high personalization.
0: Yeah. Um, so with that and all the technology you're building and stuff, how do clients and potential advisors reach out to you guys?
1: Yeah. So, you know, LifeWorksAdvisors.com, the website, most of our Mm -hmm. team and myself included, we're on Twitter, LinkedIn, most of the social media platforms. You guys can find us there. Um, and that's probably the best way, you know, and I would say for anybody who's a student listening to this, you know. Happy if people find me on LinkedIn. Find me on Twitter. Want to shoot us? You know, shoot me questions. I love. I love the business. I believe it's a noble yeah. profession. Uh, quick plug, right? There are more advisors over the age of sixty than under the age of thirty. Yeah, there are there are more CFP certified financial planners over the age of sixty than there are under the age of thirty. The average age of an advisor in the United States is sixty years old, or roughly thereabouts. Yeah. Right. It's Forty percent of advisors. Yeah, yeah. Forty percent of advisors surveyed said they plan to retire in the next ten years, and that's something like ten to twelve trillion dollars of assets and wealth they manage that will need to go to a new advisor. Mm-hmm. So I believe there's never been a better time for young professionals uh, going through a college track with maybe a finance or an accounting background. To step into the financial advising world, the opportunity is, I mean, it's as, it's as blue ocean as what I believe somebody could get in a profession. So, yeah.
0: Um, Just kind of bouncing off that. Do you have any advice for students? Like, what would you say are like the three Mm -hmm. main things that students should uh, go by?
1: Yeah. So one, or maybe
0: maybe even like some things that you wish you knew before you got in the industry or something that you would change.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a, there's a couple of pieces here, uh, this answer that I've given before. One, I would take as many um, tax and accounting classes as I could and potentially mm-hmm. uh, focus you know, I would get a, I would get my major in accounting and maybe have a CFP focus or, or be on a CFP okay. track while I'm in college. The reason for that, and you saw that this summer while well, you were interning mm-hmm. with us, right? There are so, there's so many overlaps between tax planning, effective tax planning, and accounting, and yeah. financial planning. I think a good tax background provides a really good, you know, technical base and way of approaching it. Now that's, that's one side of the equation. I'm going to give two other pieces that I think are vastly underappreciated. And if, if young people, um, I mean, I feel old at 40, uh, (laughs) younger people in college, I would focus in then on two other things. And I would not, I would not skip this one. I would focus on becoming an excellent communicator, both written and verbally. Mm Uh, there is a unfortunate seeming, a seemingly unfortunate, uh, lack of of reading and communication that's done mm-hmm. by people in America these days. And that's across all generations. I think they say the average American reads like one book a year. Um, yeah. But having excellent communication skills, both mm-hmm. written and, and oral is, is such a key advantage. I yeah. mean, what we do at LifeWorks is we take a lot of different data and we have to drive it down into a cohesive written document that anybody can pick up and read and understand. And that's hard. Right. So I would focus on I would focus on communication skills um, and, you know, writing papers in college is not necessarily generally not necessarily anybody's joy. I remember it. Yeah. But I do remember somebody telling me that I would write more when I got out of college than while I was in college. And I remember thinking, you know, 20 years ago, like that person's crazy. There's no way I'm writing a paper a week. Um, I mean, you see how much our team Writes. yeah, uh, it, It's a lot. So, okay. Lot so accounting and tax, let's say that's kind of a great base for technical proficiency. And I would put a okay. CFP track with it. Next focus on writing and communication skills. Okay. Take some advanced writing classes, really, really uh, dig into that. And then the third one is to read, uh, to get into the habit of reading every single day. So I look at reading as one of the best leverage opportunities that exists that most people walk by.
0: If it took yeah. somebody
1: five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years of a lifetime of experience to be able to write the book they wrote, we get to yeah. suck up all that knowledge in you know a short period of time. So yeah. when you look at the most successful leaders in every industry, or I'll you know, use uh, President Obama as an example, he mm. would read a book a week, sometimes two or three books a week, even while he was mm. president. And he used to talk about that. And that was one of the things I always thought was really uh, admirable uh, about him. But when I look at people in our space or in other industries that are are leaders and that are serving their clients well, they read voraciously, they read widely, they read deeply. And that gives them a broader sense of the world that gives them a broader sense of topics with which Mm -hmm. they can help clients and navigate. So, quick recap three things one take as many tax and accounting classes as you can and then overlay a CFP kind of like coursework track on top of it you will not yeah. be ill served two take a bunch of writing classes and become really really effective at communicating in written form and then three read you know it's hard because you guys in college still are digesting textbooks and they're, you you guys are just yeah. inundated right mm-hmm when you step out of college don't stop that inundation just focus it on things that you find interesting right i would Mm -hmm. challenge everybody to read 10 pages a day Mm -hmm. right that'll get you through about 12 books a year i currently read one book a week is my average um, and it's just something i've done for a long time but every successful leader um, that i know of that you can read about if you look at what they say you'll find that they are voracious readers And they're constantly taking in wisdom and knowledge from outside sources and then using that to inform how they are, you know, running their businesses, advising clients, you know, being better at the work they're doing. Yeah.
0: So do you want to do you have any specific like book recommendations that you would say, like, really help you or um, just anything that you enjoy as well as um, informational books?
1: Yeah, there are so many. There's the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, which is recommended a lot. I mm-hmm. cannot, I mean, that's a fantastic book. Um, another one that I really like is a book called Mastery by Robert Green. I mm-hmm. recommend that everybody listening read um, that book. And then I think. You know, there's a lot of industry books and things like this. I tend to balance my reading with, like, a fun book, an industry book, a self-help, you know, kind of leadership development book. I like, uh, you know, um, there's a book called Essentialism by Greg McKeown. That's another one that I think is highly valuable for people to read in today's day and age. It's getting to this question of, like, what is the most important thing that you do? Mm -hmm. And then how do you say no to everything else and focus on that? So I would I would say those three yeah. would be great starts. Awesome. Stephen Cubby, um mastery by Robert Green, and then uh Essentialism by Greg McEwen.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and we'll put that in the description as well as with Ron's info so we can contact you. Um and then just another plug for students. Um so what Ron said is to study accounting really hard as well as have a CFP track. And at MSU, we can, uh, we have the wealth management minor. So you can have an accounting major as well as have the wealth management minor and be able to sit for the CFP right after college. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. So if any student wants to take advantage of that, I would highly recommend it. But. Yeah, Ron, it was great having you on today and uh, we'll have to keep in touch and it was great having you. I really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Appreciate it as well. And again, happy to answer questions if people find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or shoot me an email. Um, Happy to help and uh, love talking to people who are interested in becoming advisors.
0: Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Ron. If you like what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. This is Lance Mullen, producer of the MSU WMA podcast. MSU WMA, or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association, is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business, located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And check out our social media at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com.